Welcome to the Kinjas Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the f*** we want. Welcome back to another episode of the Kinjas Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. Today we have Philip Chabib, a.k.a. Pac-Man, is in the pod. And Pac-Man is a world-renowned dancer, choreographer, creative director, and movement designer, which I think is a very interesting term. I think that term movement designer... Um, is something that he terms himself because I think the way that he views dance is something more than just, um, though it is artistry and he does express um, a lot of his artistry through that, but the things that he's inspired by, um, things in nature, the way that machines move, and just the way that he kind of is able to see dance uh, as a kind of a overall holistic picture versus just movement to music he opened up my mind a lot in terms of the way that um, even I view dance and how I create as a choreographer his work resume goes on forever um, you know we touch on just the stuff that he's done but I think even more than uh, him valuing the the jobs that he's worked on I think what he values most is his work in terms of why he creates everything that he creates from his you know from his social media to his videos on Instagram to the bigger pieces of work that he does to his company Axism and this and the stuff that they create Philip is a creative beyond creative and I think I I love his approach on how he feels that creativity exists uh, literally in everything around us and uh, he talks about his mentality and how he can kind of tap into creativity on a subconscious level um, kind of at any time and Philip is a genius in his own right you know and he maybe doesn't credit himself to that but I think any real genius probably never would and I in, in hearing his ability to tap into things that um, to me aren't normal things that uh, everyone uh, just thinks about on a day-to-day and I think that's what's cool is that he's kind of trained himself to be able to think in this way I think uh, as a creative and as an artist, as well as somebody who is innovating um, different ways of thinking to applying that physically to um, applying that mentally. And he talks about uh, just his current projects in writing and how he wants to kind of expand his knowledge in dance and movement and all of that being something that he wants to enter a new realm in. So he's constantly moving and he's constantly innovating. And um, I personally was inspired uh, simply by just his mentality. Um, There's a lot in here. Um, There's a lot in terms of uh, just philosophy. I think I consider this dude a philosopher in his own right. Take out some notes. Uh, This is a fun talk for me. I think this is going to provide a lot of value to you guys. So let's just hop right in. Welcome back to another episode of the Kinjas Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. I'm your host, Ben. We got Drez behind the camera. We got J-Lie on the switches. And today, folks, I'm very excited. I'm always excited for our guests. We, we get the privilege of having really cool people come through. We have Philip Shabib, a.k.a. Pac-Man, in here. Yeah, yeah. What's up, dude? What's up? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, for who may not know you, I'm going to give a brief intro. Sure. Philip is a world-renowned dancer, choreographer, creative director, and movement designer. Uh, you may recognize him from So You Think You Could Dance, season five. 
I'm going to embarrass you now. I'm yeah, going to yeah, run yeah. down your these resume. Are all, these are always awkward. Go, <laughs> just finish it. Winner of ABDC Season 6 with I Am Me Crew. Um, his work has been featured from stage to screen from the Step Up movies, Step Up 3 and 4, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, from choreography feature on World of Dance, uh, Chris Brown, Cirque du Soleil, the list goes on. Co-founder of Axism Movement Design. I'm so interested in that. Um, Philip, thank you so much for coming on to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. And having um, me. so this is your first time at the dojo. Yep. Um, beautiful, and it, beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. And we're kind of talking a little bit before we started recording. And like, um, so for anybody that's tuning into the show for the first time, Movement in the Shadows is kind of like the the story, the long story behind uh, where you're at now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's kind of the behind the hustle sort of thing. Yeah. And um, and obviously we we bring on people who um, are in the dance world, but also people who just do all sorts of cool things from various industries and people who just have something to say, something to offer. And I know that that mind behind the movement is crazy. I mean, you're just talking to me a second ago about like, you've been kind of just in your own cave um, writing and stuff like that, man. Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, we're kind of privileged. Um, uh, most of the choreographers and, and dancers in this business because we get to travel yeah. uh, all over the world and get a lot of perspective um, that I think even people in, in different disciplines don't get that opportunity. Right. So um, I think once I realized I'd have, I'd had amassed a, a good amount of knowledge about uh, the human perspective on life, just from meeting so many types of yep. people, um, I felt it necessary to just, that's why the past three months I just haven't been working, haven't been posting much, just, Focusing on writing this little um, piece of my life that's awesome. uh, perspective. Um, so yeah, that's what I was doing. Lately. Well, let's let's dial it back. So yeah, life-wise, uh, yeah, origin stories, man. Let uh-huh. us know where you're from, where'd you grow up, and all that. Got it, got it. Um, born and raised in Houston, Texas. Okay. Uh, well, Tomball, Texas, but pretty much right next to it. Um, uh, raised in Houston. Um, originally went to um, college for physics engineering school. So dance wasn't even really supposed to be the. Uh, the uh, career path, but it ended up working out that way, which yeah. is awesome. I'm, I'm so happy it did. Um, but I guess going backwards, I'm trying to figure out like the impetus of dance. Um, to be honest, I had a, I had a friend who invited me, but I was mostly dancing alone in my room. It was kind of a thing. I didn't really show a lot of people, maybe at school dances, I would yeah. like throw a move, but it was a very private love mm-hmm. at the beginning. How old are you when you, um, when you I honestly 15, 15, 15 okay. not, not as young as a lot of people are when they start dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, parents were nice enough they got a big mirror like and a big mirror was just like a personal size yeah. and i was just in my room and you know it could barely move in my little bedroom yeah. and uh and that's what it was at the beginning it was just me kind of playing around and it it, it for me felt uh, kind of superhero-ish mm-hmm. the idea that you could do something with your body that other people couldn't do with their yeah. body so i think for me that's kind of how i like to envision myself as a kid is that like if i could do this cool thing like it was kind of like when people can wiggle their ears yeah. or like <laughs> or like do like weird things with their tongue yeah. or something like yeah, it was, those are like what dancing was to yeah. me and yeah. it was a cool way to start because seeing myself that way made me want to improve and and get new superpowers training in any kind of way or was it all at the beginning at the beginning no there was mm-hmm. not really any uh, actually there was places to go i just had no idea so for me i was just training alone um and then you know i was going out for a lot of sports eventually i got hit in the face with a baseball during like baseball tryouts oh wow uh and after that i was like all right well maybe i won't do baseball yeah so then um i just started going to the studio where i met a lot of people and that's where i kind of connected um with so many people that i I still know today that were kind of like the beginning Mm -hmm. so it was more peer group learning which 
<clears throat> I feel like in the freestyle culture, that's kind of how it is. It's mostly peer group learning. Right. Occasionally, you'll get OGs that'll come and mentor you. But in Houston, it was a lot like the whole generation. We kind of grew up together and all had our own perspective and we're trying to share. Mm -hmm. So we kind of taught ourselves a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Marvelous Motion, right? Yeah. Was your uh, founder of that? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't exist anymore, but that okay. was, yeah, at the beginning it was me and Moon and Seven, um, all of which are an yeah. eye to me. Um, yeah. We just, we started up the studio mostly because there was nothing that was street dance oriented yeah. in Houston at the time. The major studio of the time was more commercial and industry. Yeah. So we were like, all right, well, this will be cool to do, not knowing that studios are insane to run. So congrats, by the way. <laughs> you guys are killing it. But like, you know, for being 16 and trying to run a studio, I think we realized very quickly. Wow, you quickly, were 16 at the time. I was 16 Holy at the crap. time. Um, yeah, I had only been dancing like a year uh, by then, but it was something we were really, I was obsessed. Yeah. And I think a lot of dancers know what that feels like. Totally. You, you never get it back again, but I think at the very beginning, there's like an obsession mm -hmm. that you're doing it at the grocery store. You're, mm -hmm. you're recording yourself like at the mall and like <laughs> hanging out in like a corner where no, someone won't kick you out. Yeah. I mean, that's how it was for us. So every day was like an opportunity to just practice and get better. And, right. and that's what it was like back then for us. Um, at what point, uh, well, so did you, you're, you're 16 years old, you started a studio, um, and then were you like going to college, dancing, like all that? Yeah, was yeah, I was trying to time. juggle school. I think, uh, at least me and Moon, we have, we have a lot of like really fond memories where we would be, um, and neither of us grew up with any money. Mm -hmm. So for us, I don't know why it was, because dance didn't really have a promise of money back yeah. then. Uh, not like it does now, but we had this hope I remember we had many like dollar menu meals where we were like sitting there <laughs> yeah. just talking about like making it one day, which is so funny because the word making it, I feel like is always just representative of something in front of mm -hmm. you that mm -hmm. never stops being in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so we always had that dream in the background and maybe subconsciously I was chasing it without knowing it. Cause even if I, even though I went to college for engineering, I guess like I was always, underneath it working on this creative side because mm -hmm. um, that's what ended up overtaking it in the end mm. so but yeah but yeah it was just basically school dance trying to balance the two out trying to figure out what i'm doing on this planet yeah you know did you finish school or college i went to college i did not finish i ended up um getting on so you think you can dance i think right before the third year okay. before junior year yeah um and then that start that took me on a whirlwind of traveling so then once the traveling started, I was like, all right, if this ever plateaus, I'm going to mm -hmm. go right back. Mm -hmm. um, but I just Never didn't plateaued. let it. I didn't <laughs> let it. Yeah, it's yeah. actually, it's funny because, you, you know, I realized with every decision that anyone makes, you have to make it the right decision. Because mm -hmm. I don't think either one has the right or wrong when you're trying to tell the future because you don't know. Yeah. But like, if you make the decision, you make the right decision, it will always be the right decision. Well, so that's good. That commitment, good. I realized that I just made it the right decision for right, me. Right. Yeah. Uh, when did you move out to LA? Uh, I was 18, um, just go entering college. It was at Loyola Marymount University. Okay. Um, yeah, first year. Honestly, that was the that oh, was so the college animal. was here. wasn't even in. No, no. Texas. I moved okay. to Houston. I got moved it. from Houston to LA uh, yeah. when I was 18. Got it. And that kind of yeah, that got my whole life out here started. So, word, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you say things like uh, you made it the right decision, um, I think, well, especially when you're younger, you know, for me personally, I had a very hard time deciding to do anything, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you just, you just don't want to screw up, you know what I mean? And, exactly, and there's like exactly. that, um, you know, that, that fear of making the wrong decision and mm -hmm. 
I'm sure you have your parents on 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 one ear saying, yeah, always, "Go yeah. to school, finish up, go get a, a you know a, a nice, safe, stable job," mm-hmm. and then you have your side where. Not to say you don't want that or you don't value that, but you have this itch and you have this yeah. curiosity of like, I kind of, there's this like creative side that I, I'm like, I can't, like you're obsessing over it and, yeah. and you feel like there may be a possibility there. Mm-hmm. What was the thing for you or like the catalyst where you felt like I'm going to go with mm-hmm. the, the dream side? Um, there's probably multiple, but one that you just brought up that I thought was fascinating is that, um, I used to always be so irritated with my parents for not (laughs) seeing, uh, the dream the way I did. Yeah. I'm so grateful for it now. I'm so grateful for the resistance. I think a lot of people come into this community and they're so mad at their parents for not, uh, believing, or they say not believing in them, not realizing that I think this might be counterintuitive, but their resistance is what even gave you the, um, like basically fueled you to mm. actually get through an industry like this. Mm-hmm. So for me, I would never, if I had no resistance, I would never have worked as hard as I had to, to make it in this business. Yeah. yeah. Um, their resistance was good. And I think any parent that's offering resistance, it's basically challenging the child or, or their son or daughter to believe in their dream enough to push past that right. resistance. Cause my parents were really like, all right, if you're not going to listen to us and you're going to put yourself out there to make this happen, even though we're pushing back, right. then maybe it is the right thing to do. Uh-huh. And uh, I thought they did that well, which gave me enough drive to be like, no, I'm not going to let them down. And they didn't have money, you know? So like I basically had to make the decision like, okay, I'm going to live on my own mm-hmm. with no money and I'm going to make it in this dance thing. Um, and by offering that resistance, basically, like, we can't help you, mm-hmm. and we don't think you should be doing this, then it made it so, like, I better do it. Yeah. And I think when you put yourself, I forgot who uh, the, who said this, it was brilliant, maybe it was Tony Robbins, but the idea that when you put yourself in a, uh, a situation where you either survive or die, mm. um, you will survive. And mm-hmm. I think some of the greatest people in so many disciplines were in situations where they had no choice but to succeed. Right. And um, sometimes making the decision that puts you there yeah. is the best thing you can yeah. do. Did you always have um, like a pretty dope, like like strong work ethic, like growing up as a kid? Honestly, I think I developed it. Because I think as a child, I was kind of all over the place. I started a lot of things, didn't finish a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely was infatuated with knowledge. I, I really enjoyed learning things, but I was the type that would get like quickly obsessed with things and then quickly abandoned to be obsessed with uh, other things. Yeah. I think I was just, I had a runaway mind. Oh, oh you're good. Um, but now uh, it, it, it is interesting that, um, but dance has provided a lot of that grit yeah. that I didn't have as a child uh-huh. because I think it, it does once again force you to focus your attention yeah. on one thing long enough to make something of it. Did you have other jobs growing up as a kid? Um, I, I mean, I worked jobs. at my dad's, yeah, I mean, I worked at my dad's flower shop. That was like the main job. Um, but since like I, right out of college, I went to dancing. Mm-hmm. Like my life's, I've pretty much been a creative most of my life, Yeah, which is which is strange to say because I'm not like I almost want to go get a 95 just so I can like have that other end of it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think it's so weird that I'm like 30 now and I've mm-hmm. never had a 95 properly. But yeah, I've lived as a creative. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, one that's cool because you know I think um, you know when you pursue a cre- uh, a career in like a creative industry. Um, I mean, I think everybody's different. Everybody brings different experiences to the table, you know, whether it's having experienced that nine to five work life and then, you know, uh, gleaning wisdom and, and things that you've learned from that and then applying that to your creative career path. You know, you can learn in that way mm-hmm. or you just 
jump in one path and you stay in it and you yeah. figure out all the the hardships as well as uh you know the little hacks and stuff like that that'll kind of help you get through it and mm -hmm. uh, i always get interested in in terms of like people's work history like you yeah. know how do you oh it makes get a difference and I, at, you know a lot of and i think that's the same thing with the making the decision the decision work for you you know mm -hmm. some people are like well i've been doing this for so long is it too late mm -hmm. and I'm like you can make every part of your history work towards your creative work yeah i, I really feel like especially in, in the arts your whole life, whatever it is, leading up to the moment you decide to commit to the arts, mm -hmm. can serve you. Mm. So a lot of people that are like questioning whether or not they should even dive into any like artistic work, they should because if their perspective, their perspective based on their work or their life or their parents or their, all of that will feed into the art yeah. in a way that other people won't yeah. um, be able to replicate. Yeah. Um, so I always support people if you even have a small itch to just be creative. I'm not saying you got to make a career out of it, but. Mm -hmm. You should never feel like it's too late to learn something. Yeah. I think that's a, a weird like myth that's super pervasive yeah. in our culture is this idea that you either have to... It's kind of like I'm either born a physicist or born a poet or like as if, you know, like half of the greatest writers uh, didn't start writing till way later. Mm. Um, and some of the most famous books that are on the shelves right now are written by people that at around 45 decided, you know what, I want to start writing. Um, so people who are saying that it's too late and they're like 25, mm -hmm. um, I immediately tell them, I was like, just start learning the thing you want to learn. Yeah. You know? So you started dancer at age 15, you said, right? Right around 15. There. Yeah. And then at what age were you doing or did you get on? So you think, so, um, I tried three years in a row, 18, 19, and then finally at 20, the third year when I was 20, 20, okay. I, uh, I made it on the show. Um, which is interesting because actually I don't consider the show, a lot of people use TV shows as like the, uh, the height mm -hmm. of, of, uh, I guess dance accomplishment. And mm -hmm. I try to remind people that it's, especially a show like that, you're really just getting your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. All of your greatest work is going to follow. You're mm -hmm. not going to actually, and I think people look at it as like, oh, those were the glory days. Mm -hmm. For me, it was torture because I didn't know what I was getting <laughs> myself into. But, um, yeah. but, but yeah, I try to let people know that like, um, because I think I, I went through an interesting phase where the freestyle culture was, um, and it was new at the time. I don't yeah. know if you remember, but when So You Think was new, it was still kind of the mainstream thing where like the underground was still not super yeah. down with it. Now yeah. everyone's, it's all love. Sure. Uh, but back in the day, people were really like, oh, well, he's not the best in the world. Right. Why is he on TV? Right. Uh -huh. um, and I spent a lot, and that's probably the other motivator, which I was saying there was multiple ones. But mm -hmm. after I had received that, and knew that I wasn't the best at what I was doing, um, I decided to keep, commit myself, kind of go up in a hole and practice mm -hmm. until I could at least say that I was worthy of whatever recognition I was getting. Mm -hmm. I, I never wanted to be the guy that took food out of someone else's mouth. Sure. Um, so that was an interesting experience to, like, to feel um, like I wasn't worthy of the recognition that mm -hmm. I was getting. And from that point forward, I was like, I'm not going to allow that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so... Yeah, a lot of little little pieces. Yeah, well, uh, something that you said that I find to be interesting when you said that, um, you know, being born a poet, born of this or oh, that, yeah, yeah. as if like you you, um, it always it it has to somehow be in you already for mm -hmm. it to like turn into something versus simply deciding at some point, hey, I, I'm interested in this yeah. and I want to take it up, and then you can learn to become good, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, from age 15, which was the starting point, to age 20, five years, not a whole lot of time. But yeah. that's you went from 
nothing to being worthy of being on TV. You yeah. know, whether you regard yourself as one of the best or not, you were good enough to get onto a, a TV show. So yeah, yeah. Um, in your mind, what do you think that was? Because you talk about obsession, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that I, I'm very interested in the concept of obsession because I think mm -hmm. that is um, so important is being successful in any field. Yeah. Like you have yeah. to be obsessive over it to yeah. some degree. It's true. Because yeah. it's like it takes a certain level of extra care that you have towards that thing for you to become good at it, you know, versus mm -hmm. over somebody else who may not care as much, you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. let's say in, in, in our conversation for dance, um, I mean, I get mind blown when I, I see kids nowadays that are like amazing, phenomenal dancers and I'll ask them how long you've been dancing and they're like, oh, two years? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I did, yeah, how are insane. you at this level 100%. for only putting in two years of work? And the only thing, I, I don't want to be like, oh, well, you're just way more naturally talented uh -huh. than the next person. But what it does tell me is that there might, there yeah. must be some level yeah, of like extra. State, yeah, in, you're yeah. way more obsessed with yeah. it than maybe the average kid. So yeah. for you, um, where do you feel like you that that fell Comes into from. your life? Yeah. Um, I probably wouldn't have had a good answer until recently to this, but I think um, I used to say that there was like a purpose driving it. And I think that is partially true, but that didn't come till later. I think the beginning was honestly, it was something I needed. Mm -hmm. And I think of the idea that like we have psychological needs, you know, sure. like connection, identity, all these things. I think I was deprived of certain things psychologically and dance fit perfectly into that gap to where mm -hmm. I couldn't get enough of it. Like for me, I didn't know how to be my own person as a kid. Like most kids try to figure out how to like, how are we going to stand out and how are we going to fit in? Mm -hmm. That's like a constant battle, like all the time. Like I want to be important, but I also don't want to be alienated. Right. And we're just playing with that line as kids. And I think feeling like I wanted to be my own person um, made me immediately attached to dance as a way to fulfill an identity. Um, where like other people found other things, you know, there's so many ways to be identified in a group. Um, but for me, as I was developing my own vocabulary and things like that, I felt more and more like I could see myself take shape Yeah. and that was my fuel. So I couldn't get enough of it at the time because for me, like getting it as crafted as possible was me seeing myself for the first time. Mm. Um, now the loves transcended to different things, you know, the love of music, um, uh, and then the loves now are very different. But I think at the beginning, figuring out what it is you need in your life on, on, and it sounds selfish, but like at the beginning, I really do think it starts a bit selfish. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't really go altruistic until a little bit later, but if you're young and you're trying to figure it out, like there's something that you need. Mm -hmm. If your craft matches up with it, you'll have this obsession naturally mm -hmm. that will make you great at it. Mm -hmm. And now if someone forces you into something you don't really feel like you need, that's when those people tend to distance themselves and they don't really get as good as fast. Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. No, it totally does, man. Yeah. It's good. Um, I think, you know, when I, uh, I've seen the progression of, you know, from, so you think to ABDC to, um, just where you're at now, you know what I mean? I think there's, um, you talk about being unique and having your own sort of, um, identity and voice style, what have you. And I think there is a, there, there's a way that you create that I feel is very unique to you. And, um, there's obviously a whole bunch of technicality. So you, you have to have, 
you know, movement foundations, knowing what you're doing. But I think beyond just the physicality of it, there's a um, a mentality. I'm like, dang, how do you think this way? How do you see the big picture? Because I think when I see some of the stuff, like even like your one minute clips on IG, I'm like, how did you see that to even try that? So um, just to kind of like maybe try to tap into your brain mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. bit, how do you approach creation in terms of um you know obviously the movement is involved yeah. um music plays a part obviously mm-hmm. you know is there a finding like just an idea and playing or is it like because you know most people like choreographers like oh i need the music to yeah, inspire yeah, yeah, yeah. me and, and i need to hear these things and feel these things and then it makes me want to move yeah i'm the opposite you're the opposite, I'm, I'm the opposite. <laughs> i mean I, it's not always the opposite i think if i'm going from an emotional place i prefer the music because sure. i think music has a way of doing that yeah. um but um to be honest, creativity is a long talk because I, that's what I spent my whole career obsessing over. But <laughs> I would say that the foundationally is the assumption that a lot of people aren't willing to make is that um, it's possible to create things. Mm-hmm. And I think people who have already subscribed at a young age to the idea that nothing is ever created mm-hmm. um, kind of shoot themselves in the foot a bit mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to creativity. Because if, if you don't believe it, your mind isn't working in the background to find it. Um, it's kind of like your subconscious is working in the background all the time. I mean, we're in this room with like different colors and things. And my brain's constantly trying to prepare me for different ways. Like this is wood, which might make me think of trees, which mm-hmm. might be think of the Amazon rainforest as burning mm-hmm. down. Uh, it's doing that in the background because I've allowed it to do that. Now, wow. the minute you cut yourself off and you're like, creativity doesn't exist. Nothing's original. Everything's borrowed. Now your brain's just focused on finding things to take or copy. Mm. Um, and, I've, I've found a, a large level of respect for the subconscious thinking that works in the background. Cause although I like to credit my conscious mind for making up all these cool ideas, I know that it wouldn't have ever, they don't spark as quickly as they do because I'm a genius. Mm-hmm. They do because my brain is working in the background all the time to see those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think is a compounding thing. So over time, the more, uh, things you're exposed to, um, the more options your brain has to work and construct new yeah. um, versions of the reality with. Mm-hmm. So to be honest, and, and I've been, I used to have great answers for this too, but I honestly, <laughs> I feel like as I get older, I'm starting to realize that it is, uh, the foundation is simply being able to say, the thing you're looking for is available to be found. And mm-hmm. if you can say that and actually believe in it, your brain will do the, a lot of the rest of the work, um, which sounds crazy, but... Because uh, to me, when I'm going in those studios for those snippets, those one-minute videos, um, they don't take a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think people think they take a long time. But they take maybe I, I'll prep for two hours and then it's done. And um, crazy. Um, and I, I don't get in this. A lot of people think that I spend most of my time on them. But I'll, I probably only spend two hours and then I teach the people, obviously, the next two hours. So, like, maybe a six-hour chunk to film, make, film, teach. Yeah. And then... And then I'm done with that set. Um, and and so for some people, that might sound like a long time. So I don't know if that's a long time. But it seems like it just comes out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think that that's because of years of playing yeah. and being okay with just experimenting. I also made a lot of pieces that were trash. But to me, they were experiments that needed to happen. Yeah. And I think over time, like, I mean, like hundreds of YouTube videos, like things that I've been doing since I was really young before people cared about my work. Yeah. Um, all because I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think people just have to be okay failing, uh, right. which is probably one of the most consistent things of this generation that people are talking about now is just being okay failing. Yeah. Um, and that's forever true, I think, for everyone. I yeah. Mean, like, you have to be okay with the process um, to kind of reap the benefits of being able to walk into a studio and making the thing you like. Yeah. You know? So when you do those uh, one-minute clips, most of it is done before music is even discovered? It varies. Like I said, sometimes I'll have a song and I'll just go to the song, but... And this, this is also going to sound really weird and most music heads are going to hate me for saying this, but, <laughs> um, there is, um, a weird thing that I realize is that music can limit the amount of complexity you approach, yeah. uh, to movement. Yeah. And the reason is, is because the, when you listen to music, truthfully, um, if you match them sound perfectly, it doesn't need complexity. And mm -hmm. you'll know that when you're choreographing, so you'll stop trying to improve it. Um, but when the music's not there, there's nothing, there's no ceiling for you. There's no like cup to fill. Right. So you keep evolving until your body is like, I can't do this anymore. Right. And then when you hit that mark, then you're like, okay, I'm done. But then when you try to apply music to it, you can still make it work. Mm -hmm. So I've found that if I'm going super complex, like if I want to make movement that I've never seen before, um, not letting the music you know, kind of deduce what, sure. what I'm doing has actually helped me make more complex stuff. Hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think that takes away the art form of putting that movement to music is mm -hmm. also hard though. So you're kind of fighting like a two way battle. Like, yes, it's great. You made a cool move, but if you aren't able to put it back into the music, well, it fails anyways. Right, right. So it's still an art form that needs its own time and, and, and place. But, um, I, I have found that like, complexity is sometimes easier to find without music. Yeah. Yeah. You said, so you studied engineering in, in school. Yeah. Yeah. So you're good at math. Um, I was, <laughs> I was decent enough at it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, when I look at no your, choice. your, your movement and your, I mean, ultimately your creative pieces, it's like, it's movement math. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, I, mean? yeah. I think crazy. the engineering thing definitely, yeah. I, I, it did something. I mean, that's all that background stuff again, but I'm sure my brain is using a lot of that. Hmm. Um, somehow. That's crazy. Um, and when you mentioned things of like physical limitations and what your body is physically mm -hmm. capable of doing, mm -hmm. do you approach your physical training with a certain type of mentality? Or like, how do you train to be able to, whether it's flexibility mm. to uh, movement textures and things of that nature, how do you approach training? Um, so my body has changed a lot over the last 15 years, and and and, and I'm happy about it actually. Um, but the training has also changed. Mm. So, you know, when I was purely dancing mostly for myself, I was training mostly just purely freestyle all yeah. the time, and that provided enough texture. So when I wanted to create something, I would use the textures from the freestyle, like popping and, yeah. and, um, waving and tutting and all those things that yeah. I would do. Um, later what, it, which I, what I, th I thought was fascinating, and this is probably not a good route for anyone listening, but, um, I would make my body do the things my mind wanted it to do. And I, if it didn't work today, it would work tomorrow or work the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, where usually you would stretch, kind of structurally like okay i'm gonna go up against a wall i'm gonna do a split and yeah. i'm gonna do this every day i couldn't do it like for me my brain raced too much so i just couldn't commit to repetition like that yeah um so instead what i would do is i would pick a move that i thought i would love to execute in a piece of art uh -huh. and i would do that every day and involuntarily 
or I guess as a byproduct, I would just get flexible. Mm. Is that, if that makes mm-hmm, sense. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be trying to be like, how flexible can my arms get? I would just be like, I want to do this move and I'm going to get closer every day to getting it. Mm-hmm. And in, and, and I got the flexibility from that. Yeah. 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 No, you're fine. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, that was most, uh, like body training now, now I do weightlifting all of a sudden, this <laughs> is like a new thing for me. <laughs> um, but I guess when you get older, you start becoming more regimented. Sure. So you're like, I got, I got to take, this yeah. is a separate part of my day now. Right. Where before it was just, you know, like you can bounce back from anything. So, right. um, but yeah, I mean, for me at the time, like creativity kind of ran my body. Uh-huh. Um, which I, like I said, I don't always think like physically that's the best route. Cause I think you can prepare your body for the moves. Right. Um, by like taking some really great advice from people who are in, um, you know, physical therapy and sure. things like that. That was all stuff. I don't think most of our generation didn't know anything about taking care of our bodies. Uh-huh. Uh, and now that I'm realizing it at 30, I'm like, Oh crap. There were some things I wish I knew back in the day. There was like parts of my back I wasn't using. Like, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I think that was just a generational thing. I think yeah. we just made it work, mm-hmm. you know, whatever we needed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I keep hearing this, you know, as you're talking, there's, um, like this common thread that I feel is so we got to tap into is this, the mentality side. I mean, even the way that you, um, talk about how you used to train versus how you train now and being regimented versus before being kind of more free. Um, I think like your mentality is something that has gotten you from day one of dance to where you're at now. And you're talking about this whole ability to kind of be aware of the subconscious, uh, part of your brain that like is always on being, um, receptive to everything around us yeah. around you that's not a normal thing you know every you know what i mean they don't teach that in school yeah and, yeah, yeah which is actually which is unfortunate because it's um they teach you everything in school except for your how to manage yourself which i think is <laughs> yeah. hilarious because you're with yourself more than you're handling exactly. every other problem yeah um yeah where do you get that from the mentality side of it and being um, able to tap into those subconscious things to be honest, I, well, I, I think it's a number of things that um, I think we all have that ability, first mm-hmm. of all. But I think we have a lack of awareness that that ability matters. Mm-hmm. I think we, we feel it all the time that like our surroundings are affecting us. We all we feel it all the time that our beliefs are affecting us. But we don't actually understand what that has to do with us, which mm-hmm. it sounds really funny. But we don't really understand how we can manipulate those things. Mm-hmm. And I think somehow along the way, I was able to realize that... Um, you know, if I surrounded myself with the ideas, thoughts, beliefs that I think were necessary to get where I needed to get, then I would get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say on, on a very surface level thing, one of the easiest ways to keep yourself in line with your goals is the, the, is the purpose thing. So I'll bring it back to purpose. Sure. Um, knowing why you're doing something helps, you know, not only, um, like why you're working in the moment, but it also lets you know when you're done, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of dancers also struggle with. Um, They don't know when they're done accomplishing the thing they wanted to accomplish, which is why I don't mind changing every five years, Mm -hmm. my approach to dance, because if I feel like I've done the thing I wanted to do, I'm not afraid to start all over again. Mm -hmm. And um, I think having the why in the background um, would help a lot of people stay a little bit more focused on focus on how their life is serving that goal. Yeah. Um, it's really simple things like just waking up in the morning and be like, all right, what am I going to do today? Is that thing that I'm going to do today going to serve the the goal? What is mm-hmm. the, what is the big goal? And, uh, if it is, then great. Yeah. And you go through your day and you know, you're, you're doing it. 
Um, but if it's not, then it's like, okay, well, I, I better make some changes because there's no way my life is just going to go the direction I want. Yeah. Um, without fixing the things around me, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I have found like a lot of dancers that achieve certain levels of success, success struggle to figure out what to do next. Right. right. Um, because they think there's a continuation, not realizing that maybe they just have to be like, all right, I did the thing. Yeah. That I wanted to do. Want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Meister Watches. They are truly masters of their craft. From quality materials and masterful timepieces to functional lifestyle accessories for the movers and shakers of the worlds they collide with, Meister is doing it. They've collaborated with some of the biggest brands in sports, music, comic book, car culture, and pop culture. We've actually had the pleasure of collaborating with them on a timepiece a few years back. I rock their ambassador watch. This one's my everyday watch. This one's my favorite. They are for our culture and for those that are on a constant mission to master their craft. Hop on to mstrwatches.com and pop in the discount code KINJUSPOD to receive 25% off your entire purchase at checkout. And this discount is exclusive to the Kinjas podcast. You won't find this discount anywhere. Hop on to mstrwatches.com and rock with the illest. This show is officially brought to you by Kinesthetic. Hop on the store.kinjas.com and plug in the promo code podcast spelled with the K at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase. We're always trying to bring you guys the illest gear for all your movement in the shadows needs. Follow us on Instagram at kin.aesthetic. Like us on Facebook at Kinesthetic Brand. What do you do to, um, I guess, kind of nurture or feed your mentality in terms of, you know, people readers, some people, you know, listen oh. to things? Like, I mean, what sorts of, do you have routines or things that Absolutely. you do to kind of... I, I think that's actually a, a creativity must mm. thing. It's like balancing familiarity and novelty. So for me, on the novelty side, like, I intake a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I read, I listen to podcasts, I watch movies, I, mm. I break those things down all the time. Um, for me, understanding and, like taking in information is huge because I mean, everyone, I mean, you have more things to work with in your brain if you have more things in there. So knowledge is super important. Um, and then the other side of that token is looking at one thing long enough to get creative with it. Mm -hmm. So like I always, I always say that like creativity is like, um, is a way to make things familiar novel again. So like familiar things can become novel once you use creativity on them. So for those people who are like, I can't go on vacation and see another culture. That's fine. Um, look at your desk long enough until you figure out how you can be creative with it. And then suddenly that desk will come to life and that'll be a novel thing again. Wow. Um, and those are the two sides of the coin. You take in knowledge and then you take the things you have, you're knowledgeable about and make them new again. Mm -hmm. And you just keep going back and forth with that. Yeah. And that's basically what the creative process is. Mm. Um, and I think that is one of the best things for kids that I, at least like me had no money. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of things. So, you can do a lot with nothing mm. um, if you just look at it long enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's dope. Um, so speaking of like creating and innovating, uh, making something out of nothing, or being aware of the the most uh, mundane sort of things that we have in front of us, like desks and shelves and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, so with when you guys created Axism, right? Mm-hmm. And like I think when I when I first saw that I was like this is genius you know and and not even in the terms in terms of like oh my gosh you guys can like market this so well to companies and make so much uh-huh. money but it's genius in terms of what I saw in how you guys were approaching the everyday sort of things and then like how did you make that do that and make me see that in that way sort of thing 
Um, so yeah, can you talk a little bit about axism? When, yeah. when axism, one why why you guys decided to mm. do it, and then obviously what it is and what you guys are doing with it. Yeah. Um, so Hawk Moon and I, um, this was a couple years into us developing this kind of love for um, geometric, you know, possibilities and in, in nature and and things like what you're saying. Um, I think we wanted to create something bigger than ourselves that would hold down the love of creating um, something unexpected from things around us. Yeah. Um, we knew that that was something we loved. And even as we got older, and like we're inevitably going to move into other territories. Right. We wanted something to capture the essence of what we fell in love with as far as the, the type of movement we do. Right. And axism was there to represent that. It was the idea that like, um, anything is possible, uh, with even the most limited resources where in a world where it's, everything's getting more and more expensive and production is getting better and better. And we're needing more and more people to create a, a simple project. We wanted to kind of remind, um, even on that scale to remind, you know, the average person that, um, the magic's all around them still. Mm. It's not all bigger than them. Um, you know, the, the kid at home who, who is, is bored and not sure what to do with his time, um, there's magic right in front of him too. He doesn't mm -hmm. have to go to Disneyland to find it mm -hmm. or, um, you know, like ha doesn't have to be seen by their favorite celebrity on, on like get a post from them. Yeah. Like that the magic can be right in front of them and yeah. they're capable of it. And I feel like we're moving further and further away from the average consumer feeling powerful. And um, something about seeing a pencil do something really cool hmm. um, can bring that little bit of amount of magic back uh, to the person. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that was like the main uh, projected interest for us in, in creating it. And that's what, and we're working very slowly on it. To be honest, it's more of a it's a love thing. Yeah. More than a business thing, which I think actually business wise, it's probably it probably could be more functional if we made it a business thing. Mm -hmm. But for us, it's mostly like we want to appreciate the people that find um, those things. So even now on our Instagram, we, we post uh, other people that we know around the world that are doing this thing. Yeah. And for yeah. us, it's like a community building thing. Right. It's slow and it's small, mm -hmm. but it's um, I think for whoever it does help we're happy to mm -hmm. have it exist. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, in, in a work system, like we're happy to hire, like get hired. Sure. But um, it isn't even the focus, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. 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 Um, you mentioned um, in terms of why and your purpose and how um, that has to be the thing that drives you to do anything, right? Mm -hmm. So with you now, um, as, as far as you are into dance, as far as you are into this being your profession, yeah. Um, where do you feel like, uh, where do you feel like the next step is for mm. you in terms of even not, not even, uh, work wise, but like where you want it to go? Like yeah. What yeah. Is your, yeah. Where, where would you love to see it go for you? Yeah. It's interesting. I did a lot of soul searching, um, at 30 for some reason. Um, it happens. Yeah. Thirties that age, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it just yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was great though. I mean, it was actually everything. Cause I think you confront a lot of things. You confront your own more like mortality more mm -hmm. when you're 30, mm -hmm. which is funny because you're still young, still young but it, yeah. but I think it, it, um, it's great. And I, uh, some people hate that culture makes 30, but I think I'm glad I'm, I'm like really thinking about yeah, it. Cause I think yeah. it's important. Um, because then it does like press you to be like, all right, well, what are you here for? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, but I think, well, at least with these snippets, with the connecting of the, the, the bodies and stuff, cause I started to focus more on people working together and I did see like an overall trend in the world. Um, that's unifying. And I thought it would be 
a like i don't know a weird uh interpretive it's like a metaphor for where i would like to see the world go so i thought it would be nice to show that okay if i can have two bodies that don't seem like they go together at all or two uh humans work together in a way that seems so cohesive that they seem like one mm-hmm. then and it kind of sends this message that like oh okay you know i don't have to have this weird taboo about like you and me communicating even if the communication is physical in my Mm -hmm. case but in any other case you at least can feel more comfortable with this idea of um connecting with people yeah which is why i I use the word connecting because i i do find the the most recent work of mine to hopefully um create this like cultural identity around oh it's okay to just connect with people Mm -hmm. um and it's not weird and even physically i think people are scared to even touch each other there's like this weird (laughs) um and i don't mean like and i think immediately people have like this subconscious like sexual tweak like that it happens right away (laughs) that they're like "Ooh, touch each other and i'm like it doesn't necessarily have to be that way because i think just like like leaving like a pat on the back or a hug or something like just showing affection for somebody else does not have to be overlap with sexuality Sure, sure um or it can. I mean, whatever, <laughs> whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. anyone wants. But, um, but I think uh, that was that goal. Mm-hmm. And I think moving forward into like you know later years of my life, I think, um, and this it's always interesting because when people say future, that's where I'm still constructing. Yeah. Uh, but purpose wise, I think I want, I want to help people face themselves, uh, and I think that's why I've been writing. I want to, yeah. I, I want to help people face themselves. Uh, and see themselves as clearly as possible. Because I think once you see yourself super clearly, you can tweak and change anything. It's like opening up the machine or the hard drive and actually seeing the parts. I think we're not, as a society, good at doing that Mm. to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think if we fix ourselves and actually think about the pieces of ourselves that are not serving us, I think we'll treat other people better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the classic love yourself and then you can love other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think a, a big part of where I'd like to go with my work is seeing if I can like highlight parts of people mm. in my work. Mm-hmm. So that would be where my head is now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? What do you do? Or, um, I mean, I feel like everybody, uh, I mean, though I feel like you're probably always on and always kind of going, but, um, you, you know, you do need to decompress, you know what I mean? Yo, yo. It actually, right? it happens way more than it is. That's the other thing this life makes everyone feel like everyone goes a hundred miles an hour and yeah. only you are going two miles an hour. <laughs> Something yeah. about like social media or whatever uh-huh. has kind of destroyed our, our like self image to yeah. the point where like everyone's doing more than them. Uh-huh. I'm not going as fast as people like, and I think, I think most of the people that we think are moving hundred miles an hour, it just appears that way, mm. but everyone needs their moments of decompression. Sure. Um, I play video games. Mm-hmm. Like I, I sit on the couch and sometimes I will wake up in the morning and I was like, I have no idea what the hell I'm going to do mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that happens all the time. And there's sometimes that I will just get anxiety like crazy over something I have to create the next day. Yeah. Even though I know I've done it a thousand times. Right. I don't think those things are removed, I think they, they can be shrunk. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the idea that like, oh, we have to constantly be productive all the time kind of ruins the, the idea of incubation. Like mm. sometimes you just need some time to just chill on a couch, yeah. talk with a friend and it doesn't have to go anywhere, yeah. but let your brain and your body chill for a second yeah. cause yeah. it's restoring, it's doing stuff. I and mean, you, you can give your brain enough credit to be like, I know you're probably busy like trying to compute all the stuff that's been happening. So I'm going to take a couple of days off 
And when I come back, I trust that whatever you did in the background is going to serve me. And it, it works, to mm-hmm. be honest. I just think people get super caught up on hating on themselves yeah. for not being at 100 all the time, mm-hmm. which is just not, it's not sustainable. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not. Um, I mean, I totally agree because I think, um, you know, I, I, it sucks that social media has that effect and I hate to like vilify it because I think it's actually a great tool. Oh, yeah, it's and, helpful, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and it's a great way for us to literally have inspiration at our fingertips yeah, like if i want to look up something and get my mind going a certain way i could just type up yeah. something and i can go there mm-hmm. so it's great in in a lot of ways but then um we i think this is like just a human trait like we have this ability unfortunately to compare ourselves to other mm-hmm. people um because maybe that's some way that we think that we're gonna um perform better if yeah. i'm looking at someone else and yeah, like, okay we, just, we see the goals up here yeah and be like, as long as i see it i know i can start climbing right but we never climb right we right. get so obsessed with just looking at it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no I, I and i also agree i don't i don't want to like completely demonize social media because mm-hmm. obviously i use it so that would sure be yeah you know hypocritical but <laughs> yeah. um but no, i think i think it's great in a lot of ways i think what it does is just it um it helps us view our own weaknesses. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why we get mad at it. Yeah. Is because yeah. we're seeing our own weaknesses on it. Um, but I think like if, if you know yourself well, you yeah. can use it in a great way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you have uh, like daily routine type things? Like what does an average mm. day for, for Philip look like? Yeah. So I, well, I lately have been adding routines, but um, to be honest, I'm actually a big, and this is going to seem so messy as a lifestyle, but like I, um, I try to do things different every day. Mm. Uh, and I think that helps me feel like each day's new, even though the grind is the same. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a big thing for me. Cause if I feel like, uh, let's say if I was training popping and I'm just flexing my muscles every mm-hmm. day, I would last maybe two days straight. And then I'd be like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And you would see all of that, like uh, the grit you think I have because of my progress would disappear. Mm. The reason it works for me is because like I do everything on a, a bit of a scattered timeline where I'll be like, I'll do this. And every day is full of things, but there no, there's not a lot of structure. Lately, I've been adding certain things as mandates like working out and, mm-hmm. you know, like health, oh, health things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but really, I'm kind of a... And I don't want to tell, because I don't think it works for everyone, but if it does work for some of you, some of the people listening, um, you just make sure that when you wake up in the morning, you get started doing Mm -hmm. rather than thinking about doing. And as long as you're taking one task at a time, I don't actually think the order is that important Mm. um, because I I know that everything that you need to get done will get done in the amount of time it can. now, obviously, if you have to pay a bill, I mean, mm-hmm. don't wait forever. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, but I have found that having a bit of a scattered lifestyle where the lists kind of like are circular in my head rather than linear. Yeah. I kind of just pick at the list at random. Sometimes I'll strategize a little bit, but like it's interesting because it kind of keeps your brain adaptive. Mm. So it doesn't become so structured that when something falls out of line, you're not that surprised. Right. Um, and I think that's what happens to a lot of people that are regimented is they get so stuck in their routine, mm. uh, that, um, now they have no room for anything else mm. where if you're just picking at random, you can be like, ah, I didn't get to this today. 
I can do it tomorrow. Yeah. But I didn't get to it because I was able to put this thing as a higher priority. Yeah. Uh, that flexibility has been really good for me. But you know, like no, no, nobody's gonna teach that because yeah. it's not that organized to yeah. say it's yeah. not gonna make declutter your life or anything. Yeah. My life's just cluttered. That's, that's <laughs> how it is. Mm. But yeah, but that's how I function. Are you a morning person? Um, lately, actually, I think I am both. I Mm. I love staying up late and I love waking up early. Mm -hmm. I think I just don't, um, maybe I just don't like sleeping. I don't know. Um, I I think I like sleeping, but like, um, waking up is obviously going to be hard regardless, but I I do love both. Like I love staying up really late and I love waking up early and I'm constantly battling between the two, Mm -hmm. but I feel like all creatives kind of go through that problem. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, everyone likes the nighttime, but yeah nobody wants to wake up at 12 noon, you yep. know, the next day. Yep. So, yep. you know, trying to fight it. Do you find creativity hitting you better at a certain time uh, of day? Um, for dancing night, uh, for writing day, mm. uh, personally. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why that is actually, but I feel like by nighttime, my, my anxiety is relaxed because uh, it is the end of the day. So yeah. it's not like I have a bunch of things still left to do. Sure. So it helps me just relax my body a bit. Uh, interesting. And writing, I think this, my brain's like super wired when, yeah. when I have the whole day ahead of me. So I'm like working faster. I yeah. Guess. yeah. So speaking of writing, so is this kind of, um, the project that you're most kind of passionate about in terms of, uh, next level creativity for you? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that's, that's directly served from my dancing is going to be more of my like filmmaking stuff, mm. uh, which is where I, I am putting most of my eggs in that basket right now. Um, uh, this is separate from the book, but I have a writing partner and we've been working on several um, uh, feature film scripts and, and we even have one Sick. that's like short form that yeah. we want to do. It's almost Black Mirror-ish, but it's more dance related. Sick. Um, and yeah, we've been looking at different buyers and like talking with our agents. So that's kind of where I want my, wherever I've been building with mm-hmm. dance, I want that to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book is a separate thing that, and I can't really explain why it is, but it feels like the thing I have to do before I die. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing it with that type of like um, vigor, I guess. It's mm. just I have to get it done um, because it feels important. Yeah. Um, but I can't explain where that drive is coming from. It just needs to happen. Mm. So that's why I was like, I just need to write it. Um, and sometimes those like little divine inspiration moments you just you don't argue with yeah totally. you just do it and so that's what i'm doing yeah yeah i mean i feel like uh the desire to kind of i mean everybody has a at least um a subconscious desire to uh, leave a legacy in yeah. some way shape or form and mm-hmm. and um yeah what better way than to have it written forever yeah. <laughs> right yeah. yeah it's actually funny yeah. you brought that up because I, I used to people in these interviews used to always ask me uh, what my favorite fear oh not my favorite fear that's hilarious uh, <laughs> my biggest fear yeah is. yeah yeah uh, and it used to be that it used to be the idea of being forgotten mm. um and it's gone now which mm. is hilarious after mm. i turned 30 my biggest fear is um is disappointing the people i love yeah um which is hilarious that it moved from a very like uh egocentric point of view to like now I just don't want to mess it up for anybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think as you get older, that probably keeps changing yeah, over time. But, totally. but, uh, but yeah, the book was mostly driven out of the need to like, I want the people I love to have answers yeah. and they don't right now yeah. kind of thing. So, um, for somebody who may come up to you and be like, Hey, how do I do what you do? Um, mm-hmm. or how do I, yeah, become the next Philip should be, what would you say to that person? Um, 
Well, there was a, there's a couple things wrong with the question, but I think that <laughs> like if I were to, yeah. um, if I, my whole career was built off of avoiding uh, inspiration, and uh, obviously I, I involuntarily was inspired by so many sure. people, which I could I could sure. even tell you lists of them. But the avoidance was actually what I think turned me into something yeah. that was needed. I think the problem with the idea of the next Philip Shabib mm-hmm. is, or the next anybody, yeah. is that that problem was already solved. I look at the whole world as a series of problems. Mm-hmm. I think you need to find what the world needs next and be that. Um, and I think the route to it, um, if my tools would help you get there, then I think it's great. Then as far as like trying to dance like me, the tools are basically study the foundations, Mm -hmm. uh, the physical foundations that you want to, um, utilize. Like that's all the vocabulary, like popping, tutting, waving for me was some of the basic foundations, threading from b-boying and and even groundwork from, from, from b-boying. Like those were my words you know like so learn your words you know like figure out like what what sentences you're trying to make what kind of writer of dance are you trying to be and uh and then figure out what problem you're trying to solve because once you know why you're doing it like what what you think the world needs it will write itself Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting for people and i think a lot of people that are trying to be the next something else they struggle to gain attention but the reason is is people already have seen the answer mm. so you know you do a different version of the same thing it's never going to get the hype that the original solution had right just because uh, it's a spinoff yeah um so i would say if you specifically like my style and you're drawn to it then i think study those um, original forms yeah and then um i wish i had more um educational material out myself on the actual connecting stuff mm-hmm. and I, I hope to one day do that um mm. to give like a foundation for how that works yeah but a lot of it is just recognizing, you know, like the human ability to recognize symmetry, shape and nature, um, things moving through other, th- like a lot of it is just physical concepts that are in nature and machinery and things like that. Mm-hmm. And just adapting them to the human body. Mm. Um, obviously that takes more explanation than just that. Totally. But, um, totally. but yeah, I would say study what interests you yeah. and then just start experimenting. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Yeah. What is success to you? Success. I think. Success. I'm going to try to not be. Okay. So I'll I'll tell you my, like my higher brain answer, which Mm -hmm. is, um, if you solve the why Mm. that is success, Mm. meaning that it doesn't really matter whether everyone, like if the why was, I want like some people that are janitors are like, yo, I just want to make this place as clean as possible. Mm-hmm. That's the problem I'm trying to solve. And then mm-hmm. he does, even if nobody notices, he achieved it, right? Yeah. He's successful. Yeah. Um, so that's what I think the higher brain is. I think the, the part of me that probably can relate to everyone else is I think success is just balance to me on a, like a, on a selfish level. It's mm-hmm. just getting to the point where I have all, a little piece of everything in my life that, that could possibly be missing. And I'm kind of nestled inside of like a good system, something that like gives me, you know, connection to other people an identity am- am- amongst them, you know, like familiarity. Not I have all these psychological needs kind of like around me mm-hmm. that's successful already. And that's why mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, um, you don't really need a lavish lifestyle, uh, to be successful. Mm-hmm. I don't think you even need a ton of people to like you. Um, I think you could have just enough people that satisfies you and you satisfy them and you're successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the idea of numbers being a gauge, like there is a cap, like 
there's a certain point where they even say you can't even know more than 200 people like it, the, yeah. you know, like that's like your cap of even knowing people right so the idea that you need thousands of friends or millions <laughs> of friends like the idea of it is kind of silly mm-hmm. um i think balance should be like the first priority mm-hmm. rather than like gathering culture yeah, where you yeah. just need a ton of everything yeah 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 and that's really good um i want to do a quick lightning round with you oh, i sure. want to fire off some questions right. gotta come off top in lightning fashion damn all right in three two one what is your favorite food Sushi. That's what is your favorite movie? Oh, Life is Beautiful. Nice. Uh, What is your most memorable professional experience? What is it? It doesn't have to be the best, just like. Oh, okay. Uh, Baku. Uh, It was the European Olympic Games. Like, insane amount of people. More people than I've ever heard. So much so that when we walked onto the field, the boom sounded like an earthquake where I was, I was genuinely a little terrified, <laughs> but those were people's voices, but all melded together. Wow. Um, I had never felt anything like it. And actually it was to a point where we had in-ears because we couldn't even hear the music. Uh-huh. Um, but it was, it was definitely the craziest thing I've wow. ever experienced. It was like an opening ceremony. Yeah. That sounds wild, man. That's dope. Uh, what would be a dream opportunity for you? Um, yeah, to, direct a film that i wrote that's i mean that's it's it, i keep it pretty close to where yeah. i want to be that's yeah. that's basically it that's like a dream opportunity i believe it it's yeah. gonna happen yeah uh dream collaboration so it could be you collaborating with a person or company mm. yeah oh damn there's a lot there's a lot um Dang, there's so many people. I think just out of respect for it, might it came to my mind right away because I feel like I've collaborated with a lot of dancers, mm-hmm. but um, I've always wanted to just do a solid collaboration with Salah. Um, it's just it, it's great. just a shame it had hasn't happened. Yeah, and we've we've spoken, but I just like the more I think about it, just out of respect for everything he's done. Yeah, that even fed into my career, like yeah. how I dance. It just feels like I, I would love to just pay homage to him by Dude, collaborating with him. That would be cool. Make- everyone's heads explode I think it would be dope. <laughs> it, mine be awesome. personally for sure that'd be crazy um well i think you kind of touched on this but uh what would be your biggest fear uh yeah 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 i mean basically biggest fear is yeah just like being responsible for something for the people i love and then failing mm-hmm. at that responsibility mm-hmm. um yeah because i think that is like one of the the greatest things you can get now, like in your older age is to have people look at you and be like, I trust you with this mm-hmm. thing. And then, yeah, to misuse that trust mm-hmm. is, is just too yeah. terrifying. Yeah. What is your biggest inspiration? What or who? Uh, what is my biggest inspiration? Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm mostly like the, the reference group for, for me that I, I look at as my biggest inspiration are like, the Einsteins and Stephen Hawking's and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which I know that doesn't really translate directly into mm-hmm. what I do. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think the idea that with just brain power alone, they can like change physical reality in such a huge way. Yeah. I think those are like the people that I just look up to and I'm like that, like Nikola Tesla, the people that were able to like change reality mm. with just like thinking hard enough. Mm. I think there's just something crazy about that, that I've always found attractive. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, if you have any, what would be a regret that you have in life? Oh, okay. This is good. Um, 
regret, 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 regret. I think it's going to end up being, and if, if it isn't already, and I think maybe in the background it's playing a part already, um, not giving enough time to people I care about. Mm. I think it comes back to that same thing. Um, you know, we obsess with work all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that will be one of the toughest ones is that I, I did have time, but I thought I didn't. And I would use that as an excuse to drown in my own insecurities and things like that. Not realizing that I could have made time mm. for those people more. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, that's something you don't get back. But, um, I try to avoid regret in general. I think it's not a useful thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I avoid it, but if I had to, it'll probably be something like that. Gotcha. Yeah, it's good. Um, if you could hop in a time machine and mm-hmm. go back and give yourself one piece of advice, Ooh. what would that be? Um, you're not as busy as you think you are. Hmm. That's good. I, yeah. It's real. It's very real. Yeah. Less of more of, if you could see something less of in the world and also more of in the world, what would those be? Mm. Um, Less of and more of, if I could see, I mean, it's going to be, they're kind of like the same thing. I would love, I mean, I'd love to see more empathy and collaboration. Honestly, just collaboration would end up having empathy. So if there was just more people that are willing to reach out Mm -hmm. to other people that they think don't care about them and just said, Hey, you want to do something together? Yeah. Chances are that person was waiting for someone Mm -hmm. to ask them. I realized that from this instagram thing um that everyone's down but you were just in your head and thought no one would be interested right um which is hilarious uh and then um something less of of in the world um i think oh okay um i there is this like uh, strange belief that the world is is uh, going to shit um sorry about the i don't, I don't know if we're <laughs> here but uh but it's a popular thing and uh i would love the um and I think it's because the news is only there to provide negative things right. and like the media is there to provide sure. negative things. But I think if there was a way to like tone down the amount of things that were like, we're like echoing so much negativity, mm-hmm. I would love to see more people do that with positivity. So mm-hmm. I, I guess less negativity mm-hmm. or even more problem solving even. So mm-hmm. like, it's just like even it's not like positive or negative, but you're just trying to solve it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause I think the negative, the negativity just kind of like bl- is just blasting in our ears yeah. all the time. Yeah. So yeah, that's good, man. What would be your golden rule? Your life mantra? Life mantra. I'm trying to think of what I tell myself every day so I can get it. Mm. I'll follow through. I think that's the, I literally have it on my, I've written, written on my house everywhere. Um, Cause I think, especially if you're going to be a creative, your brain can go a lot of directions and the follow through, I think can be one of the things that are, is the scariest. Cause not only do you get the feedback at the end, yeah. which you are kind of scared to. So most people will go all the way to the end and then not finish. Mm-hmm. Um, I think follow through is like the most important thing. Cause at the end you get the feedback so you can get better. You either fail or succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you get, you do the thing you're setting out to do. Yeah. So. so if there's anything I try to keep myself constantly thinking is just follow through doesn't matter whether it's a good, great, you know, or bad idea. Just finish it and then move on. Yeah. yeah. It's really good, man. I'm like unpacking that myself. Man, um, Phil, dude, thank you so much for coming through, man. I'm like, I'm over here. Um, my mind is going because I feel like what's great about this show, man, is, is, yeah, sure, we're providing a service to our listening audience and stuff like that. But like, 
to be honest, selfishly speaking, the reason I started this podcast or that we were like, hey, we should have our own. I was like, dude, I want to learn from yeah, the people yeah. that are around me that that are doing things that I that I respect and um, inspired by. And I'm over here just learning a whole lot, man. And I think, you know, um, you know, obviously, yeah, man. Congrats on everything and and uh, you know all the work that you do is amazing. But like I think, just hearing you talk and and you kind of opening up your mentality as to you know you talking about your why, and um, the way that you approach, uh, not even just creativity, but I'm like even your answers to what you want to see less of and more of in the world. It's just I love the way you put it, man. You said that. It can be viewed negative as like the world is like a bunch of problems to be solved. That sounds negative, yeah. but then but what you said is to be solved. You yeah. know, it's it's to find the ways to make things better or to make things work. And you know, we talk about yeah, we're we're being fed negativity, mm. you know, twenty four seven. You know, whether it's on the news or comparisons of you know work. You know, being at a hundred, opening up Instagram and all these things that we're bombarded by. But then like. All you really have to do is kind of flip that on its head and be like, there's a way to fix this, though, yeah. you know, versus yeah, just like, somebody's going to fix it. Yeah. I mean, we're amazing. Like, yeah. Humans are amazing. <laughs> like every problem that people are yelling about, there is a, there is at least one person who's actually trying to solve it. Yeah. So sometimes, yeah, that's exactly how I feel, man. Like yeah. if, if if we're blasting negativity and there's only like one person trying to solve it or two people or mm-hmm. like one group of people. It's sad because there's a lot of energy being expended not doing that. Yeah. So I'm like, all of us could at least pick one problem. I'm not saying yeah. we got to solve everything. I mean, sure. That's insane. But like, pick one thing and be like, I'm going to tackle that one. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm just going to go down to like, you know, these kids at this school and I'm just going to tutor this one kid and yeah. I'm going to like help him out. Yeah. You're solving one of those problems rather yeah. than you could be at home just yelling about how mad you are that these kids aren't getting educated mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's just hard for people to get their head around that yeah, all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you talk about guys like, you know, geniuses like Einstein that can, you know, purely off of, you know, brain power and being able to change the world. And, but I feel, you know, and not to, you know, gas you up too much, man, but there is a genius that you have that starts in your brain that you can translate into actual physical movement. People can look at that as entertainment. People can be inspired to just, you know, like take the concept of what you're showing them what you, with what you're doing physically to be like, oh, I can apply that to, you know, some other thing that I do, whether it's like completely unrelated to dance. And I think that's what's great about um, you know, being able to learn from people who are completely outside of your bubble of what you do, you know, mm-hmm. vocationally or art, mm-hmm. even artistically and being able to glean wisdom of like, dude, I can apply that to, mm-hmm. you know, the, what, whatever it is that I'm doing in my life. And so I think with yeah. what you're doing, with your writing to, um, I highly encourage you to step into a space where you download the information that's in your head because, I feel, like, I feel like there's so much knowledge that you have that is so practical for people of, like I said, all walks of life, man. And so Appreciate it. Um, I actually think it'd be cool if, uh, and I, I'm guessing a lot of your audience is in the dance community, but sure. I think the same thing goes the other way around. I think a lot of people outside the dance community don't realize um, how valuable a perspective from this community is. 100%. And that is a big thing that yeah. I, I wish there was more of. And I, that's why I'm glad this is happening. Yeah. Um, because I think, um, you know, listeners who, and I don't know how many of these people uh, who are listening right now mm-hmm. are, uh, 
are dancers or not dancers. But if you aren't a dancer and you're indulging yourself into the philosophy of um, dancers' minds, I think you will be able to, it'll serve you in an interesting way because yeah. we speak a different language. Yeah. Um, and so do they. And I think there's an interesting like um, way to translate the two mm-hmm. that you're probably allowing by having something like this yeah. there. So I think it's great for the dance community and people totally. who don't. Yeah, so it's, it, awesome. it's an exchange. And I mean, I mean, it's so funny. Some of our most uh, dedicated listeners um, that leave me comments for every episode yeah. aren't dancers. And I'm yes. just like, that, I get so stoked. I was That's like, awesome. man, there's something awesome. that we're providing to you that, that you're yeah. able to gain. So, um, yeah, man, knowledge is knowledge, man. And ex- the human experience is applicable to everyone. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that so, is 100% true. Yeah, yeah, man. So, dude, thanks for coming on. You know, Thank I know, you. yeah, I know you're busy and you're you're out there doing yeah, all the out, things, man. but <laughs> appreciate you, man. No, I appreciate you. Thank you. Word, for sure. Um, guys, thank you guys for listening. And if you guys are finding this episode by itself, we have many, many more that came before this. This is episode 60-something, man. So we're over a year old. So uh, thank you guys for subscribing and sharing. And um, that's the only thing that we ask that you guys do if this is valuable to your life in any way just share it tag us uh we're on ig and twitter uh, kinjas podcast with the k um all the show notes the stuff that we talk about whether it's a video a book um a show whatever it is that we we talk about we put in the show notes which is on the website kinjas.com slash podcast and uh keep sending those dms i love reading about what you guys are learning um if this is dope get onto itunes give us that five star rating and leave us a review. Let us know what we're doing well, what we can improve on. We're always trying to get this thing better and grow. Um, but, yeah, thank you guys for listening. And, um, yeah, I guess we'll just see you all next time. Peace. Easy. Peace out. Peace out.